drop. Welcome to the Story Forward podcast brought to you by the same fine folks who brought you Story Fort Presents, Voices of Tree Fort Music Fest. We are your hosts. I am Larry Rosen. He, of course, is Christian Wynn, yes. Co-founder and director of the Story Fort. What would you call it? The Story Fort Festival? The Story Fort event? It's just Story Fort. Story. Yes. It's all-encompassing, yes. No definite article required. But when I tell people I'm going to Tree Fort, they say, what's that? I say, oh, it's an arts festival that I go to every year. It is an arts festival. It's a music festival. It's a storytelling festival. It's a technology festival to a degree, and yoga festival, and an ale Beer festival. festival, ale festival. All that stuff, yeah. All under one big umbrella. As for us, uh, we are wrapping up our first season here at the Story Forward podcast, Summer Stories. Uh, it is late August, and it's time for us to discuss family vacations. Yeah. And that's going to actually be this, we're here in late August, but it's going to air in early September. It's like post Labor Day. So hopefully you guys are all having fun out there. You'll all, and you'll, you'll all be wrapping up your uh, vacations then for this summer, wherever they might have taken you. Uh, Christian Wynn and I actually took a vacation last week and went to beautiful Carson City, Nevada. And Reno. And I was. <laughs> like, I blocked out the Reno part because I have Reno PTSD. Ladies, ladies and gentlemen, uh, if you want to go do a little gambling and you don't want the Las Vegas thing, go to Laughlin, go to, go to a tribal casino, go to Carson City, go anywhere but Reno is what I'm saying. Reno, it, it, it hurts. It hurts. It hurts while you're there. It hurts when you leave. And it was, yeah, it, it I got some good pictures. Yes, you did. And you keep posting them and bringing it all back, which is just dingy hotel rooms, zombies walking the streets, uh, weird, like, uh, sort of trickery casinos trying to act like they're destination spots that they've seen better days. Yeah. 20 year old cigarette smoke hanging from the rafters. Yep, but everybody masked up indoors, weirdly enough, is like, okay, they're, they're safe about that, but the rest of their lives are not safe. Yeah, yeah I've got a lot of vices, but not wearing a mask isn't one of them. Yeah. Um, so that was our little trip, but, um, you know, we, we, of course, have both taken plenty of family vacations, as I'm sure all of you have. Uh, why don't you let everyone know kind of what's in store for this episode, Mr. Wynn? Well, we're going to talk here for a few about some of our experiences, but we have a guy named Joe Davidson, who's part of the Story Fort team and the Story Forward team, who helped design our logo um, with Nikki Mustard. But uh, And then we have maybe a wild card coming in, too, as one of our correspondents. We're still working on our third right now as we speak. It's been a kind of, like you said, a crazy late summer. But um, we're going to talk about, yeah, just the notion of the family vacation that most people can relate to some people probably don't have that exact experience but i know i do and i know you do um, both as a father and a family man and then as a as a kid too so so what i mean what 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 do you think makes a vacation a family vacation obviously the family has to be there let me ask you this is it a family vacation if the people at the other end have the same last name as you oh yeah like a family reunion oh yeah absolutely i'd say that's even if I go to see my sister in New York, is that a family vacation? Well, if your family, you're, well, that's a good, I mean, I'd say 
if it's only you going, no. <laughs> it's like, I mean, maybe it is. I don't know. It, it, it's nebulous. But I mean, you had to bring your son and your wife with you, maybe, to make it a family vacation, in my opinion. But I'm not sure. That's a good, very good question. So We used to travel a lot between Seattle and San Francisco when we lived in San Francisco because my in-laws lived up there. Or we'd go, my sister lived in L.A., so we'd have to go down there. I never counted those as family vacations because they were more like... Um, what would you call them? I'm not even sure they're vacations if someone on the other end has the same last name as you. They're more like, like I guess, reunions, meetings. I don't know. They're fun. Yeah. But, but sometimes, never... did you ever do like you go meet your sister and your mom and dad or whatever, and then just go someplace else from there? So that, that could be a vacation. That would be a vacation. Do, do you need to stay in, in some place that's not someone's home in order for it to be a family vacation? Uh, I think that's a pretty good qualifier right there. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Though I do have one favorite that we stayed at my uncle's place down in Galveston, Texas, but it was my sister and my mom and my dad and I. I guess it's an individual sort of, uh, I don't know, definition you had to come up with. I guess some, you know, some people say anytime that you are with your family, you're not home. And you're not working, which in our world is pretty significant because thanks to COVID, you know, we're untethered from the workplace. And like last week when we were gone, my wife and I, not our son with us, she worked every morning. So it wasn't really a vacation for her, even though we were at someone's fabulous lake house in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Would you consider that as family vacation or was that just yeah, kind of like a trip? It was, it was a trip, a maybe. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Like going to see my in-laws was a trip, even though they also had a fabulous house on a lake. Um, once, when I was a little kid, we took a family vacation without leaving our hometown. What? And yeah, my was and, the, the original staycation. Is that what it was? Yeah, like, that word didn't exist, but my it wasn't even just that because I was like maybe four, maybe five. My parents sold it to us as. We're going on vacation. We're going to this very charming small town in northeastern Pennsylvania. It just happens to be ours. <laughs> we, went out to, we went out to dinner every night. You know, we went and did stuff every day. I remember it being really cool. Uh, we never did that. Well, yeah. And your friend Mike Sigalis, I remember on, on that episode with the, the, the theme park, he talked about like camping, like a few miles from his house in Anaheim and how weird that was. Like, is that a vacation? No, probably not. You know, I, don't know. I think a lot of it depends on your resources. Yeah. What you can do for your family vacation. I know that uh, a friend of the show, Johnny Evison, every year takes his family, and I think it's extended family, to one of the beaches in Washington. And it seems to me, just from his social media posts, that that is his favorite thing in the whole world. And I bet if you asked him, he would say, this is definitely a family vacation. And he wouldn't say it, but I, I sent it that he is the head of the family. And it's about 10 miles from where he lives, probably, too. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Johnny. Yeah, it might be further, but yeah. But yeah, different families obviously have different traditions. Um, did you have any, like, like, regular trips you'd make to certain spots, Mr. Rosen? You know, and I didn't think of this till you said it, but uh, as a parent, there was a place we used to go every summer, uh, starting when my son was... Well, the first time I went there, it was with my then girlfriend, now wife. It's a town on the central coast of California named Cayucas. So it's about 20 minutes outside of um, San Luis Obispo. And usually when people go to that coast, they go to um, 
Cambria or Morro Bay. Those are the popular ones. In between them, there's this town, I swear, it's got 2,000 people in it. And it is the last unspoiled beach town on the California coast. And we started going there. It must have been, I think he was 10. So it was a long time ago. And we went, we tried to go every summer, not for a week. We'd just go for like four or five days because there's not a whole lot to do. You get up, you run the dog on the beach, you know, you, you go boogie boarding or whatever. There's some wineries, which I know you love. Um, <laughs> yes, more than anything, really, actually. So. <laughs> you know, and then you go to some crappy dinner at the, at the mediocre restaurants in town. Maybe you go to the bar, maybe you don't. Maybe one year, I remember, we just watched the Olympics. And uh, we really treasured that. You know, we really loved that trip. And one night, we'd go into San Luis Obispo, which was like the big city. Whoa, yeah. I mean, it sort of created the template for how we're living now. But mm. it was, that was a very, in fact, when our dog died two years ago, Shaq. When Shaq, when Shaq reached the end of his, as they say, when he, uh, how did they, how did the other dog actually went into the go, something rainbow? The they he crossed the something rainbow. Dog owners are kind of weird, but the corgi rainbow. Corgi, yeah, he skittered across the corgi rainbow. Uh, we took his ashes down to that beach. Oh we, wow! We put him because it was his favorite place. You know, he like running there. You throw a little ball. He'd skitter along the beach and come back. Um, yeah, I hadn't thought of that until you said that, but that is our, that's our tradition as a grown up. That's the tradition I, we started. So as you a created, kid, yeah. Yeah, as a kid, we didn't have a place like that that we'd go every year. We just were, we were pretty random. We yeah. Yeah, and it's funny because I had a list of places that we went, and they're all way more impressive than Cayucas, California. Like, oh, Italy. Yeah. Oh, we started going to National Park <laughs> a few years ago. Oh, Grand Canyon. But, no, we went to Cayucas every summer. We'd go, we'd go kayaking, you know, Shaq would sit in the kayak with us. And... That's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> we had, yeah, we would go, interestingly enough, it, like, I think, well, we had a couple spots we would go regularly, sometimes in the winter as opposed to the summer for some ski vacations and up in the Tahoe area, you know, sort of rent a cabin with some friends, family friends um and that definitely was the type of family vacation but the summertime we would go to like sun river oregon which has grown a fair amount since that time back in like the late 70s into the 80s um you were coming from california at that time to sun river yeah but my aunt and uncle lived up in oregon and our, we were like it was it's my fake aunt and uncle my mom's best friend oh aunt, yeah and judy um and uncle george and they you know I said, not blood, how would we say this, aunt by another mother or something like that. I don't know how you weigh it. guys too. Yeah, so that said, you know, we would go meet them at the, in this central Oregon place where, it, you know, I won't go into it, but it's, it's a very family-friendly place. It's gotten a little bit more corny in that way, but it's also still beautiful. It's right on the edge of um, the Deschutes River, the National Forest there, and and now, like, interestingly enough, my folks ended up building a place there, you know, back in the 90s. And they, so the vacation became like a home they were going to live in year round until they figured out that the winters are cold and kind of bleak there. So okay. Now they kind of snowbird. Yeah. So but they loved it so much that they built a house there. Yeah. No, and it has a lot of old memories for my sister and I, for sure, every time we go visit and hang out. So the vacation where we get to go rent a place or kind of stay in the lodge or whatever now because is this like a place that 
we have a home as a family. So when, when you go there now, does it still feel like a vacation? Well, for me, it, not really. It's been so long. They've, they have built that house, you know, back in, like I said, in the nineties. And so it's been a while, um, but it still feels like getting away for me. I'll go hang out there by myself every once in a while, I'll do some writing and hang out like I did last during COVID, especially my parents weren't traveling, but um, anyway, that was our regular spot um, in the summer, especially there, there was an arcade. The arcade was awesome. <laughs> my cousin and I won like a lip sync contest what to uh what we're using like what song i think we were it was a clash song we did back in the day we yeah my uncle or my uncle my cousin bart who turned out to be a professional musician actually he's he's good i'm not but i could lip sync back then i could kind of break dance and stuff back then too so we, we won memory of that yeah but I know we did go on a lot of vacations when I started adding them up too, which is interesting. I was like, at first, like, oh, I remember the European vacation where it was very, it was five weeks of us over. It was the big thing, like our biggest one ever. And I was just, had just turned 21. And I thought I was, well, I was very into the Smiths and into, let's see, like the jam I was into very much. And I was into, um, now I'm drawing blanks on the, like the, the British bands I was into. Um, I'll come up with a few in a minute. But the Plimsolls were one. They were British. Wait, yeah, I don't know. But bottom line, I thought it was pretty cool um, in Europe, in well, in Britain as well. Just walking around in my Doc Martens and my striped shirt and think, thinking, you know, hey, I'm going to go out to the pub tonight. <laughs> so. I feel like in that scenario, it being a family vacation might cramp your style a little bit. It did. I mean, I felt like, yeah dad mom you just stay back at the at okay. the hotel and I'm gonna go drink legally and yeah. hang out and smoke cigarettes um so the flip side of that is we went when we went to italy in 2013 my son was 16 and had a new girlfriend this is a problem and this is a trip of a lifetime right it's like we're gonna go to italy for six weeks and every time we got somewhere first thing wi-fi sucks Wi-Fi sucks. <laughs> Wi-Fi sucks. Can't leave me to go away for the whole summer. If you ask him now, he'll say that was the most incredible trip he's ever taken. But at the time, there were some bumpy spots. My girlfriend did not last. Yeah. Oh, no kidding. But it'd be like three <laughs> in the morning, and he'd be out in the hallway on the phone because you know it was set eight hours ahead. Right. Well, when I was go, I, when I went back in the, I guess it was very late '80s with the family for that long. My girlfriend was. Megan, who you might the, the sort of like notorious sort of Megan, um, one, yeah. So, Megan, Megan F, yeah, we'll just call her. But, um, she was she studied French and she was. I, this is a did kind of a terrible thing, I, I'm very regretful of. I feel like because the summer before she was gonna go away, we were like very serious, she was gonna go to France to study for the summer, and I was, I was. I kind of begged her not to as a young man in love. And then I had this opportunity the next summer to go to Europe and I went with my family. <laughs> it's like, I couldn't say no to my family. They were not going to understand that. But I, and I think maybe that's why she cheated on me with uh, you know, nope, a, nope. A, a waiter at our favorite Italian restaurant and broke my heart as a, like when I got back from Europe, but That's, anyway, that is a terrible story. <laughs> Girlfriends, not my my family family vacation vibe. Yeah, no, but that's a story I like to tell. Is for my first real 
real, real heartbreak, but maybe it was brought on just by my own selfishness of going to Europe when I told her I really didn't want her to, and she decided not to, which I feel so bad about. Like I know. The part about you leaving isn't the bad part. The part about you begging her to stay, that's the bad part. Yeah, I don't know what I was thinking, but then we don't when we're 20 or 21 years old. So Or 50. We've come pretty far afield here, though. Yeah. Um, I, I do want to, before we go into the stories, there is a little caveat I'd like to give to listeners, perhaps listeners on the younger side, uh, who have not yet helmed a family vacation. And that is this. You need to plan your family vacation to match the age of your kids. You know, hmm. we planned that Italy vacation, forgetting that we had a 16 year old. If I was 16 and I had a new girlfriend, I would have complained the whole time. <laughs> also, like, don't take your kid to Disneyland when they're three because they can't appreciate it. You know, always find age appropriate and interest appropriate things to do with your kids. It'll go along. But I mean, if you've seen people at Disneyland with three-year-olds, they're just basically props. They just hold them up. Here's a picture of you with bunny ears. And you're like, I, or mouse ears. And the kid's just like, I don't know what's going on. Just give me food. Get me out of here. Remember that. Don't plan like, and you see people like planning some fabulous European vacation because they can, but their kids are like five and maybe they'll remember it. Road trips, road trips for young kids. Do those. Yeah, I think that's good advice. And not being a parent myself, um, I I can see where you're coming from. And we, I don't feel like my parents really dropped the ball in that regard ever. Um, I mean, my sister was in high school when we. She was not happy on that trip a lot of times. <laughs> she was. I think in retrospect, on our European trip, she was kind of like your son. Um, it's great now, but she was very like terrible wife. Oh man, but there was no Wi-Fi then, so that's <laughs> yeah. the thing. So. You just can't be too ambitious. You know, we have these friends who have a five-year-old and a three-year-old. Recently, they took a trip to. I want to say they went to. They went to actually. They went to Ketchum, Sun Valley, and they okay. and then they went somewhere else. And they were staying on this place, and they were attempting these monster hikes because they're big hikers. Mm-hmm. And then every day they'd post pictures on Instagram of them carrying their kids or their kids refusing to walk. Like, it's like, you know, trying to take a corgi on a 10-mile hike. It's not going to work. Uh, yeah. Um, I can imagine, yeah, that just the scope. I think parents... Then you get mad. Because like, you're like, heck, I just want to take this hike. What's wrong with you? Oh, that's right. You're three. It could be a problem. Yeah. And so a question for you then as a parent in the modern era mm-hmm. of the social media era, maybe it was even not quite as rampant as now, right, This as we speak, but... Do you think that parents, like parents, like you said, you use the word prop for the kid. Do you think like going on vacation and then bringing your kid along when they're five to Europe or to catch them to try to do, is that kind of like, oh, we can show people how, maybe they don't even realize it, how cool we are, how progressive we are. Do you think that's a thing? I don't necessarily because I think parents have been doing it forever. It just seems like a great idea until you're faced with the reality of like, oh, shoot. I mean, yeah, if you can get a good picture of you in front of the Grand Tetons with your three-year-old, that does make it look, oh, what awesome. What an awesome family. But I don't think, I, I don't know anyone who's trying to do that. I think they're just miscalculating. Yeah. I thought you were going to ask about getting kids to look up. I had a, we had a trip 10 years ago where we took a road trip up the coast and did the redwoods and everything. And can you just look up and look at the redwoods, get your face out of your (laughs) your phone and just look up for a second and look at the redwoods. So there is that. Yeah. That's too bad these days. I would think that I, that distraction and that idea of like, just not 
you want your kids to experience this. But I, I remember I traveled, I mean, I was not a teenager, but just barely out of my teenage years in Europe, just looking out the train windows and how cool that was as a memory. And just like, oh, yeah. Uh, listening to Elvis Costello as well, you know, King of America. That was my, I was, you know, listening to that. And I had a Walkman, it was a newish Walkman at the time. That was my knockoff Walkman. Knock knock man. Man. My knock man, yeah. So it was, but it was good. And I just had to be like, like plugged in in this way, like, uh, like every music video we were watching at the time, you know. Yeah, it's like you got your own soundtrack. Yeah. Well, we should let our other storytellers tell some stories. We should. I think we want to go with Joe first, right? Yeah, let's go with Joe first. And then, and then the perhaps a mystery guest, perhaps. Mystery guest, yes. We asked a couple of people. Um, and they just, I don't, I don't know. Everybody, they, so many of them had stories, but then sometimes they get a little trepidatious, we'll say. Trepidatious. I don't know. Maybe we'll, before we transition to Joe, one last question, Larry. So what is your favorite road trip memory or family vacation, I should say, memory, road trip or otherwise? As a kid or as an adult? Because they're kind of separate categories. Let's go one of each. And I'll, okay. I'll go down. As a kid, um, as a kid, I think it was when we went to the Thousand Islands in Canada when I was eight, and we were we were not doing well financially, but we did this anyway. It was a big road trip. Um, I can't remember the particulars. I just remember thinking it was really cool. Go went to the Niagara Falls. I thought that was amazing. Um, and as an adult, it was probably those trips to Cayucas. Like I said, I have a lot of things written down here. Um, we took a trip to San Diego when my son was like, God, he was tiny. But we went to Legoland and he just went nuts. And that was really fun and met some people down there. But I think those trips to Cayucas are the ones that like when we all, if you put all, if you put each member of my immediate family in a room separately and ask them, what do you remember? What's, what family vacation you remember? The first word that would come in each of our heads would be Cayucas. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Were you ever able to have your folks there? No, we had... It's funny, we had each of my sisters there when my niece graduated from college It's at San Luis Obispo. And my older sister, I could tell, was kind of like, okay, it's a dumpy beach town. I don't get it. <laughs> and my little sister thought it was really cool. Um, you know, for years, we were like, we were like, oh, we're going to buy a house here. We're going to be like your parents. We're going to buy a house here. And in the end, it just, it was too much in California. So we, yeah. In fact, we came here for a family vacation in 2012, that same Redwoods trip. And that's what started the whole thing. And here is in Southern Oregon right now, Western, Southwestern Oregon. Yes. Smoky Southern Oregon. Yep. Yeah. No, I think that, that being back to that real quick, I do think that that's a common thing. If you go somewhere, you're like, oh, I'm going to move to Hawaii. You know, <laughs> it's like, I think it's so cool. Or when we moved, my wife said, Every place we looked at, she said, I want, to, I want it to feel like I'm on vacation all the time. And there oh. was only a few places that made her feel that way. So she had to narrow it down. That's pretty cool. And yeah, it seems like you're, you're pretty fresh there right now still. So it probably still kind of does feel like vacation. It felt like that's an interesting point because when I moved to Boise 20 plus years ago now, it did feel like I was on vacation. <laughs> it wasn't a family vacation per se, but it's an interesting phenomenon when you move to a new place that you kind of were like oh, i should move here and then you do and then it's like oh it took a while for that to go away too yeah which is good i, I like the feeling i don't want it to go away yeah so what were your favorite oh my fa well i would 
I mean, I mentioned the Galveston, Texas, where my uncle, I'll just mention this one. As, as an adult, I've had plenty of vacations and some with my family, um, but not having kids and a wife, I, you know, have had girlfriends and taken vacations with them, but I'm not going to count those. Um, but I will say that Galveston, Texas, my uncle who passed away a few years ago now is, was a musician and um, he played this place called the Balinese Room, which was like a quarter mile out on into the Gulf Coast. It's since been wiped out by, it got wiped out by a couple of hurricanes, but then they finally didn't rebuild it. But anyway, it was sort of mob owned and like, you know, kind of had this weird sort of long, like red carpet hallway that went down this enclosed sort of pier and like the 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 chef was like fishing off the back end of the pier and like bringing (laughs) stuff in like anyway but yeah i mean i was a young youngster and we had such good food and i mean i was probably junior high we still lived in california at the time but anyway just like kind of nosing around his room I remember finding these, I, I came across somehow, I can't remember like how, I, I opened a closet and there was like a bunch of Playboys there. And I was like, oh, and I was like, ah, score, <laughs> like, here we go. <laughs> and then, you know, weirdly enough, it turns out, yeah, my uncle came out later on and he did gay and, you know, and, and I was like, what was he doing with those Playboys? And I was like, who, I mean, intent? I don't know, man. I, you know, I, I'm not sure, but, the place he lived was insanely beautiful in this old part of Galveston. And I don't even, I don't know how much has been destroyed over the years because of hurricanes and sea rise and sea level rise and all that kind of stuff. But I know that they've experienced a bunch of different changes. And it was like such a cool Southern sweaty seascape town. And he like, had roller skates and would like cruise along the strand. And like, he had this beautiful like lead singer with, he was like a, basically a, a lounge act guy for years. <laughs> The piano man. He was the piano man, basically. The piano man. I have a theory that if you want to go to New Orleans, just go to Galveston. It's probably just as much fun. It was very similar when I've been to New Orleans I post that time. You know, I was like, oh, this is very, very much the old South um, in that way. But anyway, that was one that sticks out. I could mention more, but we need to get to Joe, right? Yeah, let's get, let's see the floor to Joe. All right. Joe Davidson, move the story forward. Hey there, this is Joe Davidson. I'm the assistant director of the Storyfort Festival. And uh, when I was asked to do a little correspondence piece on family vacation, I was like, easy. I went on tons of family vacations as a kid. I'm sure I've got plenty of fun and wacky stories to tell. And uh, it ended up being a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. I guess it turns out when you've had a series of small concussions throughout your life and then one really bad near-death concussion, uh, you combine that with various childhood traumas and stuff, and apparently memories are kind of hard to dredge up. So uh, all the earlier versions of this correspondence piece were really rambly and uh, kind of disjointed, but honestly, it's been really fun to like go back and talk to my parents and think about various family vacations, and I think I've settled on... Uh, Two different things I wanted to talk about for this quick little correspondence piece. So when I was young, about uh, six years old, my parents got divorced. And after the divorce, both sides of the family went on just a bunch of family vacations. Uh, With my dad, it was with my new step family. And some of those 
I thought were awful in the moment, did not enjoy it as a kid. And then uh, with my mom, on the other hand, she wanted to be able to entertain me as a kid, do fun things with me. Our budget was really small. So we spent a lot of the time going to the Oregon coast and just camping. And those are some of the best memories of my life, I think. I had a ton of fun going to the beach, exploring the woods, and looking back on it, it it's funny to me just uh, I guess what I must have looked like to people around these camp grounds and me running around there because for some reason, my mom would let me just like go to the Army-Navy store and pick out knives and survival equipment. I was really into the idea of like wilderness survival, which is super silly. I did not continue that <laughs> as I grew up. But, uh, you know, she thought it was harmless and it was harmless. You know, I never got in any trouble with it. But uh, I distinctly remember one camping trip where I had just seen the Boondock Saints for some reason. And there's a big scene in there about rope and rope being the most important thing a man can have. And it's so useful. So I had made her let me go to the store and buy some rope. And I was going to go on an adventure and use said rope. I had, I had a machete. I had rope. I had several different knives. I was dressed to go on a wilderness adventure. And I just left the campsite one day. And according to my mom, I did not tell her that I was leaving. And I went on an epic adventure, going through the woods, chopping things down with my machete. And at one point, I decide I am going to rappel down a, a – at the time, I was a small uh, small boy. I was probably around 10, I guess. And uh, I thought I was going to rappel down this, like, steep, tall, little cliff face. I don't know how to do that. I don't actually know how to tie a knot. But I set up my rope and <laughs> went for it. And I'm rappelling down, and by some miracle, I did not hurt myself. I did end up falling, did not get seriously injured, but I was covered in muck and mud and bruises and scrapes. I was bleeding a little bit. And I make my way back to the campsite, walking through all of these other campsites with all of these concerned people looking at this poor kid scraped up and bleeding everywhere with a machete and ropes and I was I was a small kid <laughs> and I just I think about this image and how it must have looked pretty weird to everyone and my poor mom had been going from campsite to campsite trying to figure out where I was what had happened to me and uh she finally finds me and was super mad for a second but then you know we had a good laugh about it she got me cleaned up and we probably went beach combing after that but uh, one of these memories of mine is just one of my favorite, thinking about how weird it must have looked <laughs> to everyone else around at the campsites. Uh, you know, it just gives me a laugh. And those were, like I said, some of the best parts of my childhood, I think, were getting to go to the beach with my mom and uh, beach comb. I still have collections of all the fun stuff we found on the beach. And it's really special to me that she took time out of her, you know, work in school after the divorce to just let me run around and be a weird little hooligan on the beach. And as far as trips with my dad went, uh, those were always a little bit different. We usually ended up going to like Portland to see our grandparents or, uh, you know, different parts of Washington to see family. 
and we had a big Suburban and we would load up. It would be me, my dad, my stepmom at the time, and uh, my stepsister and my little baby sister. And we'd cruise around in this giant Suburban and do family things, except I didn't like my family much at that point in my life. But probably the most epic trip we went on is we just decided to drive to Canada. And I don't know why to this day. I, I should have asked him that before recording this. Of why did you pack up the family and we went to Canada? It was actually pretty fun. I got to see a lot of things I never thought I'd see as a kid and did a lot of camping. It was my first time in another country. And I was pretty miserable for most of it because I was an angry teenager with a step family he didn't like at the time. And uh, the the memory that really sticks out to me, though, is when we picked up a pair of hitchhikers. And I, th I think on this trip, yeah, it was my dad, my stepmom, me, my, and my two sisters. And there's just two dudes probably in their like early 20s, maybe late teens, trying to hitchhike. And I guess they look like pretty respectable guys, whatever. And my dad's like, we have to pick them up. Those guys are in trouble. Because my dad, bless his heart, will help literally anyone if he thinks they're in a crisis. Uh, it's one of his best qualities. I, you know, I hope I can live up to that, you know, as a son. But we're all like, no, the, the hitchhikers will kill you and we're going to get serial killed. And my stepmom's yelling at him and we're yelling at him. And he sticks to his guns. And he picks these two boys up and they get in the car and like, I'm terrified. My stepsister's terrified. We're sitting in the far back of the suburban and they're in the middle. And we get to talking with them, and it turns out they're rappers. Um, they're two young rappers trying to make it. They're working at a, like, fancy resort, and I guess this is what they did. They didn't have a car, so they'd hitchhike um, to the store and back to the hotel and to go get groceries and stuff. So my dad's like, oh, yeah, we'll take you to the grocery store. No problem. We're, you know, we're, we're gearing off on this vacation. It'll be great. And... I, as an angry young teenage boy, was just really getting into rap music at the time. Like, I had the Eminem album. I probably had my Walkman with 50 Cent's Get Wretch or Die Trying in it, like, on that trip. And I was instantly fascinated by these guys, asking them a million questions. And I got them to freestyle for us and was just thrilled to have these two rappers in our car freestyling. And... uh they were like, you like rap music. You could be a rapper. We're going to teach you to rap. And they spent the rest of this really long car drive helping me write rhymes and teaching me about freestyling. And they learned I really liked ginger ale. And when we went to the store, they bought me a thing of uh, Canada Dry, which I don't even think is from Canada, which is funny. But <laughs> they thought it was a riot. And they ended up helping me write this like whole song and verse that I still have in a journal somewhere. And we, you know, we took them to their resort and they got us some food there and we all hung out. And it's just this wild memory to me uh, and something I treasure a lot. And, you know, Canadian boys, <laughs> Canada boys, excuse me, I'm getting extra rambly here. If you're out there, I would love to know who you are. And if you're still making music, you know, hit me with that SoundCloud. Because uh, that's that's just something I treasure. And it's, it's one of those trips, too, where as a teenager, I was miserable. But now as an adult, I look back and I'm really grateful that my dad took me there. Um, 
they almost didn't let me back in to the U.S. Also, random, uh, random tidbit there. I was sound asleep in the back of the Suburban, and we're driving back over the border. And all of a sudden, someone's knocking on the window. And my dad and stepmom are like, Joe, you got to get up. You got to get up. And they wake up, and it's the border guy. And he's like, you know, do you have your birth certificate, all this stuff? And we just didn't have a passport for me. And I guess we had my birth certificate. But he spent the next 10 minutes quizzing me to make sure that I was, in fact, part of this family. Uh, And, you know, obviously, we were able to prove it. I'm back in the U.S. years later. Um, But (laughs) there's this moment where I was terrified, like, oh, no, my mom is going to be so mad. I'm going to have to live in Canada now, which, you know, probably wouldn't have been the worst. Right. Anyway, those are two of the clearest family vacation memories I have. Uh, Thanks for having me on the show. And I hope you all enjoy the rest of the episode. Okay, everyone. We have our man in the field, our next correspondent, talking about uh, some antics in Italy with his family, Ryan Marsh. Hello there. My name is Ryan Marsh, and I am a Boise State undergraduate student in the creative writing program uh, with an emphasis in poetry. I've been asked to share a family story here today, and I will be talking about a trip that my family and I took overseas uh, to Italy and a couple of the the memories that really stick out from that journey. Um, Let's set the scene a little bit. Um, I've got a family of six, seven now. My niece was just born a couple months ago, but at the time she was probably just a thought. And all six of us are are rather tall, my brother-in-law included, and we've all got broad shoulders. And in the summer of 2019, we decided to take our first trip abroad, uh, now that we were all of age. Uh, My two older sisters were 26 and 28 at the time. My brother-in-law was 27, and I am the baby, and I just turned 21. And so we packed up everything, and we went for a a three-week stay and we were just going to be perusing around Italian cities north to uh, Rome was the farthest south, but we kind of stayed up in the northern area. We arrived in Florence, and it was it was in the afternoon, late afternoon. Uh, my father and I, we went to the, get the rental car uh, so that not all six of us were carrying around luggage through the cobblestone streets. That would not have been good. And we were told that the car was going to be big enough to fit six people and their luggage. But when we pulled up to the car dealership, what was pulled around had to be the size equivalent of a Subaru hatchback. It was cramped. It was tiny. Uh, my dad and I, we looked at each other and kind of gave that, oh shit, look, this could be it, you know? But I think that the the man that was helping us, he must have noticed because immediately he was like, we have an, uh, a big van, an eco van. Uh, it's great. It's very spacious. So without hesitation, we snagged that thing up um, and we were able to throw in all of our, like our bags and all of our persons and it was comfortable. Um, we had gone on a lot of family road trips before and they can get feisty. And so having more space was better. This was the, the right call. But on the Italian side of things, those caterpillar streets and those pastel buildings that just stand on tiptoes right on the edges of the, of the streets are not made for a van. So we, we filled it up like we were impregnating this street. And this was our first little run-in. Um, we were going down one of the tiny streets, and there was construction going up on the left side in the uh, in the shoulder. So my dad, I think, just like subconsciously veered a little right, didn't want to hit it. Um, stayed in the street, though. 
at that exact same moment, a woman that was walking towards us walked into the street and she was talking with her friend looking the other way. And I noticed it a little too late and I'm not sure my dad noticed it because the setting sun was right in our eyes. (laughs) And uh, so we are going about three miles per hour, maybe four, creeping along this street and we brush against this woman with the car. Um, and it was right on the mirror. And I, I looked back immediately and I just saw her face have pure horror and shock on it. And she just mouths, I think they just hit me. And I, I was like, oh, my goodness, we we've done this. We're starting off rather hot, um, but we, we couldn't we couldn't do anything about it. We had the green light and we were we were on our way out of the city. So that was kind of the first first little run in with the car. Um, and then we headed out of Firenze and we headed south into Tuscany and into Umbria, more exactly. We were staying at a villa down there and (laughs) we had to get some gas. So we pulled up to this gas station and as we are going and pulling in, we noticed that it's a nice little, little quaint area, you know? And so there's a, there's a, a car shop and a cafe that are some ways away from the gas pump lining the cafe are about a group of 15 old Italian men that are drinking their coffee, their espresso. Some of them are playing chess, but they all had to have known each other forever because not a single person was saying a word. They probably knew all of each other's life stories. Words weren't necessary after uh, at this point in their friendship. That's kind of what I thought about it. So my dad gets out and he starts looking for the gas tank in this massive Italian monster truck. He looks in all the usual places in the rear of the car. He even goes into the front he lifts up the hood thinking maybe okay it's in there well, who's to know and no luck and at this point it's been a couple minutes and he's just circling the car and my sister's mother and i uh we noticed that these these old time men they're starting to to poke at each other and jab at each other and they're laughing and they're pointing our way and we're like oh man we are their entertainment this is just this is some sad americanism going on right here and so my brother-in-law and I, we hop out of the car and we decide to help look. To no avail. You know, my, my dad is sitting in there and it's like the dad from Christmas stories. He's just muttering all these words under his breath. And he's been around cars his whole life. But he's like, what the fuck, you know? And so I'm like, I'm no help here. I'm not going to do anything. I open up the sliding door to talk to my sisters. Sure enough. And my brother-in-law <laughs> sees a little tank in the middle of the sliding door in the middle of the car. So that was just great car adventures. But luckily after, we decided to dip it. Um, And we hopped on the trains and we went north. We went north to Genoa and then down to Cinque Terre from there. Um, And Cinque Terre are known as the Five Lands. Oh man, they're beautiful right on the Mediterranean Sea. Quite quite the getaway spot. Um, So we were staying in Vernazza, which is the second most northern town. And the day was June 16th. It was Father's Day and is also my sister's birthday, her 26th. So we were staying at this Airbnb at the edge of the town. And right next to it is a nice little restaurant we're seeing. So we talked with the owner and see if we could get reservations for the night, given we have some birthdays and fathers to celebrate and woo, you know. Uh, The owner was a middle-aged woman, and she was so kind. She even had the idea that while we were sitting at the the patio at the table um, in our patio, then they would actually serve us. And so all of us are like, yeah, that would be wicked. You know, our patios are connected. We don't got to go anywhere. Sweet. 
So we have an amazing meal. Um, we are by having some nice seafood and we are having great steak and amazing wine and good conversation with our waiter through uh, the language of the gods, Google Translate, which was extremely entertaining. And after dinner, we headed up, to, uh, up the road to a cocktail bar we saw. The owners actually make cocktails to your preference. So you just tell them what you enjoy and they're going to concoct something. We had a lovely time there till about 11 p.m. And at that time, we were like, all right, the night's over. It's been well. It's been splendid. So we start walking back to the Airbnb. On the way back, we see two Americans that we actually met earlier in the day. And they were from Fresno, California. And so we start talking with them. We're chatting. And out of nowhere, this grandma comes straight up to me. And she was from Tanzania. She gives me this big bodacious hug and as she does so she just licks and kisses on my ear and I just stood there shocked had no clue what was going on was like this is just absurd after the hug Wiley whispers to me she did the same thing to me Wiley is the the kid from California and so I'm like all right that's where this night is heading all right let's do this so we all go inside family and I and when we get in there we see who's bartending it's the same owner that owns the restaurant that we were at earlier so we all just erupt in cheers we're like let's go you know we are like it, this night has turned into a, a great night now and so my sister my oldest sister she was getting drunk for the very first time and she was enjoying herself having so much fun all inhibitions out the window let's go Woo! My middle sister was talking to a Polish actress that we met that she was sitting in there and she was really, really awesome. Um, she kept saying how jealous she was that we are going on these family uh, vacations together and we're hanging out as a family. And that was that was that was cool to think about that. It is pretty awesome that we got to be able to do that. My father and my brother in law were outside and they were drinking their whiskey, having a nice cigar. And my mother was just dancing around. I don't remember talking to her much at all throughout the night but every time i looked at her she just had the most sublime smile and grin on her face all night long she was in she was in heaven and i don't blame her it was it was awesome and i kind of befriended the owner of the bar and i had asked if it was okay if i bartended for the night it wasn't too busy it was a lot of us we were all friends why not um and that's when i realized after she let me bartend that i was in deep shit i had no clue how to make a drink other than maybe a Kirkland vodka and lemonade at the time. And so my brother-in-law saw that and he comes in, he had a little bit more of an expertise. Um, and so him and I are just chefing up drinks, man. We're we're concocting and they're not very nice concoctions, but they're G&Ts and whiskey Cokes. And here we are. And all the while, like my new friend Wiley and I, we're just kind of taking shots at Jaeger, having a great time. And at one point when I was serving and making a drink, I look up and everyone is standing around a circle, this woman that's in the in the middle. And she's got her mouth open and she kind of leaned down a little bit. And my dad has a lighter and he is about to light her mouth on fire. And I've seen the shot where you light it on fire before you drink it. But she already had the alcohol in her mouth and she just took it. And everyone lost their minds. We were like, what? And she had said that this is her party trick she's been doing forever. And everyone just, just started to erupt, really erupt. Um, and kind of as the night started to dwindle down, we started walking back. And that's when I think it all hit my family all at the same time where this night really never should have happened. Uh, it wasn't planned. We were going to go home and go to sleep. And we were so content with that. But the fact that it did happen and the fact that life kind of just took its course and one thing led to another, led to another, it was the most 
unreal family vacation that I could ever ask for. And yeah, that's my family vacation story. And there you have it, everybody. That was the family vacation stories. Moving forward on story forward. Thanks so much to Joe Davidson, to Ryan Marsh, to Mr. Larry Rosen, who has once again mysteriously left uh, left the building. I don't see him around here, but I do see sort of a smoky late summer post Labor Day sky out there in Boise, Idaho, but we enjoyed this episode um, as people who um, created it, and we hope you did too. We want to thank Eavesdropped Studios and Brett Battistain. You can find their stuff at ease-drop.com. We want to thank uh, Jared Bostrom and Joe Davidson for helping put this thing together. And uh, gosh, we just want to thank you for listening in. We hope you're doing all right out there. We're uh, hanging in there as we head into the last official days of summer. And uh, revisiting the uh, family vacation was pretty fun. So we hope you enjoyed it. Keep moving the story forward.